Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Believe in Jags podcast. I am your host, James Johnson. Uh, writing this one once again solo as uh, this is being recorded on a Thursday morning. So Phil is at work, but I told my man's fear night I would take care of this one and knock it out of the way so we can maybe get this one out in a timely manner. We'll see how that goes in terms of uh, the post-production and all of that. So shout outs to Phil and, you know, we'll have him back on the next episode. He told me to relay that to you all. So, yeah, I'm going to be riding this one solo, but nonetheless, we still have a action-packed show in which I um, had a guest on. I went one-on-one with Glenn Irby of the Eagles Wire. Wanted to talk a little bit about Doug Peterson and what he brings to the table because he's one of the favorites to win the job in Jacksonville in terms of the fan base. And you could probably say Jim Caldwell will be one or two, uh, depending on who you asked in terms of fan preference. So that being said, I reached out to Glenn and he was uh, more than happy enough to come on and talk about Doug Peterson, who, uh, you know, he's been a lifelong, um, you know, Eagles fan. And he's also been a guy that just, you know, has covered the Eagles as well uh, for a while now and been around the team for a while now. Uh, So that being said, you know, I had on Glenn and he provided some insight that I'm sure you all will enjoy in terms of coach Peterson. Great conversation there. So we'll get into that um, after I'll cut a little segment myself here uh, in terms of a a topic that I want to address, or I guess you could say it's a topic with many subtopics that I want to cover here to kind of make the episode uh, more than just the interview. Hopefully, you know, it'll be around the 45 minute mark in in addition to what I'll add to it. That being said, uh, we have to pay our bills, of course, with our first sponsorship. But actually, before we do that, uh, I forgot to mention all of the outlets that you can uh, find us on and mention that we appreciate the love and support that you all have given us. Uh, but of, of course, feel free to continue to show that love and support. Or if you're a first time listener, uh, feel free to head on over to uh, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, excuse me, and send us a review, rate, comment, subscribe, all of that good stuff. And those of you who have been listening and have yet to rate, comment, and subscribe, feel free to do that as well. So you can find us on pretty much any major outlet, whether that's uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Music, as I have said, uh, Luminary, uh, as well as uh, Amazon Music as well. We're also on Google Play for those of you who are Android users. And uh, if there is a place that we aren't, that you uh, get your local podcast from. Uh, also, we're on Spotify. But it's, if there is a place that we haven't covered, feel free to let us know and we'll get our podcast on there as soon as possible to get you your weekly news and your weekly updates on the Jacksonville Jaguar. So that being said, let's get into our first sponsorship here, which is BetOnline.ag, who pretty much had everybody covered uh, through all of the football season and the holidays, which just passed. Um, Happy New Year to everybody, by the way. I didn't even get to say that part. Uh, But they've had everybody covered with more props, uh, odds, lines than ever before. And they'll continue to have you covered in terms of all of that. As football continues with, you know, the playoffs are left. Shout-outs to my Georgia Bulldogs. They're going to be taking on Alabama. And also, you know, there's the playoffs coming in the NFL as well. Uh, this is the last regular season week, so they got you covered through all of that. If you want to you know, take a little gamble and start the year off with a little bit of money in your pocket, 
uh, go right ahead and feel free to check them out. So Bet Online remains your number one spot for all sports action this season. And if you would, head on over to use your mobile device or you can use your computer, your desktop device if you want um, to sign up and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. For those of you who haven't been there before, just use our promo code, which is believe B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. Of course, it just doesn't stop there. Uh, there's basketball, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Uh, go ahead and don't wait to take advantage of the amazing available offers they have for this new year of 2022 over there at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So regardless of what it is, feel free to head on over there and check out what they have. Betonline.ag is where the game starts. So to get into our next topic at hand, uh, as I said earlier in the podcast, we will look at some things that the next head coach, whoever that is, uh, needs to uh, basically improve upon staff-wise and uh, development-wise in terms of, you know, when you look at the roster and how things were handled there. Uh, because, you know, a lot of things that Urban Meyer uh, preached and, and basically said he would improve or hope to improve didn't get improved. I mean, for crying out loud, we, don't, we only have one more win than we did before. Uh, and a lot of the things he came into the season uh, saying that he would fix or things that people were hopeful that he would fix really didn't get fixed. And a lot of things and a lot of areas of this team didn't get developed as uh, much as people were hoping for, or, you know, as much as urban led us to believe that would get developed. So that being said, for me, it all starts at uh, developing, of course, I mean, this is a gimme quarterback in the quarterback room. Trevor Lawrence has really struggled this year. You know, it was to the point where a lot of people were concerned that Urban Meyer ruined him. I don't think that's the case. I think uh, the next coach, however, you know, of course, this this coaching search is going to involve Trevor Lawrence. We've heard that for a long, long time. And this uh, this coaching search, of course, is going to be uh, centralized around him and getting him the right coach and uh, the the right uh, also the right assistance around him and also somebody who will develop the people around him, which we'll get into later. But, I mean, he's the focal point, bottom line. Trevor Lawrence is the focal point and the guy that is going to be the big draw, of course, uh, for the next coach. And that next coach, you know, he's going to get this job based on what he says in the interview. Uh, if Shah Khan knows what he's doing, and that's a lot to ask for because he, um, you know, reportedly Trent Baalke's in there with him. Uh, but then again, you hear – Things like, you know, he's holding these interviews at, you know, his home and uh, I think it's in Naples or what have you. So maybe Trent Baalke's there. Maybe Trent Baalke isn't. We don't know right now. But that being said, what what's going to get this next coach the job is what they say about how they can develop uh, Trevor Lawrence and how they can build around him and what they're going to put around him. So, I mean, it's really not a lot to get into there. Doug Peterson is a quarterback's coach. Okay, so that you got to feel like he's going to knock that part of the interview process out of the way. Uh, Jim Caldwell is a quarterback's coach. You got to feel like he's going to knock that part of the interview process out of the way. So those guys would be the front runners for that reason. Um, and of course, Trevor Lawrence, who, again, you know, is going to have some say in this, is going to probably uh, give an endorsement, a ringing endorsement to Peterson and probably especially Caldwell if. Peyton Manning is in Trevor Lawrence's ear. Um, I, you know, we've heard that Peyton Manning is one of the guys that's one of his mentors. Jim Caldwell worked with Peyton Manning, uh, was a coach of Peyton Manning's in terms of when he was with uh, the Indianapolis Colts. So you got to feel like that's one that Trevor Lawrence is really, really going to like. And, uh, yeah, it, it's nothing more to say there in terms of um, the number one priority when hiring this head coach and what should be the top thing that Shad Khan is looking for is uh, a quarterback's coach that can develop the quarterback room, and not just Trevor Lawrence, but uh, the room around Trevor Lawrence in terms of the other quarterbacks because you it's, it comes times in the NFL where you, you need a solid backup as well, and we're seeing it. Like, there's not a lot of good backups in the NFL, so quarterback development in general is going to be and should be a key part of the conversation that is being had 
in these uh, interviews. So number two on my list of what this head coach uh, basically needs to fix and uh, needs to uh, do better than the last coach is, you know, you got to get a better wide receivers coach in here. And that's not a knock on Sanjay Lau. But the bottom line is Keenan McCardell should have been retained and he never should have been fired. And that being said, Keenan McCardell could be on the market again because if the Vikings fire, and I don't, I haven't been watching the Vikings lately in terms of their uh, their hot seat news, if you will, but if uh, Mike Zimmer is fired, Keenan McCardell would be a free agent. Uh, maybe the next coach needs to reach out to Keenan McCardell and, you know, bring him back and just flat out tell, you know, <laughs> to flat out tell him like, hey, it was a mistake for them to let you go because what I saw on film um, in terms of what the team did last year was not pretty. Um, and the wide receivers have simply struggled. They have not looked good, uh, even when Chark was healthy. You know, he wasn't really making that big of a difference in terms of, you know, what he was doing when you compare it to when Keenan Cardell was coaching him up. And wide receiver has been a long, long, long time concern, date back to week one, really. Or you could probably say the preseason and, uh, yeah, a lot of development needs to go into that position. And also, I think more so than development, because what they're going to have to end up doing, in my opinion, they need to overhaul that room for the most part. Um, they probably, looking at what's happening in free agency, need to bring Chart back because all of the ACL tears is going on with the guys that would have been free agents like Chris Godwin. And uh, it's another one that's escaping me. Uh, Michael Gallup also tore his ACL. So you're probably better off retaining DJ Chark, but even if you retain DJ Chark, right? And I've been a huge advocate of DJ Chark potentially being the number one, but the more and more we get into his career, he just hasn't shown that aside from the Pro Bowl year. So you really need to sign DJ Chark, but still treat it as if you don't have a number one, basically. And whether you go and get uh, Allen Robinson in free agency or Devontae Adams, who they say he's going to be franchise tag, and I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, but I think aside from Adams, the only one that I can think of that doesn't have an ACL tear is probably Robinson, if you can go and get him. Uh, who knows if he's open to coming back or not. Um, or, you know, maybe you're in a situation where Doug Peterson hires Matt Nagy, who, you know, they know each other. They have a good connection from uh, what I've read and heard or from what I read, at least, if you bring in Matt Nagy, maybe it's harder to bring in Allen Robinson because I don't know if that uh, pairing was the best. But, you know, that's that's another story for another time. But the bottom line is whoever is the wide receivers coach for this team uh, needs to be an established veteran, needs to be somebody who has been successful in the past in terms of, you know, the wide receiver position. And that's not to say, see, that's the thing, though. Sanjay Lau did have some success, it seems, with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but though he, he had all-star type of guys with Dallas, if I can recall. And, and Phil could probably speak on this more than me. Uh, but he did have Amari Cooper, if I'm not mistaken, there. So, you know, when you have a guy like Amari Cooper, that already helps you in terms of development. Because Amari Cooper is a guy that probably came out of college out of Alabama, uh, pretty well developed um, because I, I just think they do a good job with receivers at Alabama, at least better than any other college team in terms of preparing them for the league. And uh, he kind of just translated well into the NFL. So, uh, you know, what I, I guess what I'm saying is like, yeah, sure, he came into the league needing development, but how much development, right? That being said, uh, they need somebody with a proven track record that has developed guys that have come into the league that aren't, all that polished in terms of receivers. And when you look at the top two options, and I'll just, you know, really speak on the top two options, which is Doug Peterson and Jim Caldwell. They, of course, as I said, they're former quarterbacks coach, so they have offensive backgrounds. And when you look at who they could bring into the mix, and I've mentioned some of these guys before. So with Caldwell, or excuse me, with Peterson, he's from that Eagles tree, right? He's worked with David Cully. Uh, he's worked with Greg Lewis, potentially could be one of those guys he brings in, uh, a former Patriots receiver. Uh, but I think Greg Lewis is on the uh, Chiefs staff right now, which, again, that goes back to what I was saying. He's from that Eagles tree, so he probably followed Andy Reid there. I don't know if he can get him, uh, poach him from the, the Chiefs team or the Chiefs staff 
uh, because, you know, it pretty much it will be a lateral move pretty much. I think because Lewis may be a running backs coach or he may be a receivers coach uh, for the Eagles and Andy Reid. Excuse me, the Chiefs and Andy Reid. Uh, another name that I, you know, when I was doing my research on this coaching tree of Doug Peterson's, and I don't know if this is possible because, well, first and foremost, it relies on, you know, and the person is David Culley. Is David Culley going to be fired from Houston? Um, You know, I've talked about this before. I'm not sure he does get fired from Houston. And also, you know, if David Culley is fired, you got to feel like he's more of a candidate to be an offensive coordinator for Doug Peterson than a wide receivers positions coach. But that is where, you know, David Culley, who's worked with Peterson in the past, uh, that is where he has uh, flourished. That is, you know, his coaching's with wide receivers. So I don't know, maybe you you work out something where you're paying him a, a, a nice a bit of change to be the wide receivers coach if, you know, it comes to that. Uh, we know Shad Khan has deep pockets. I don't think money will be an issue, uh, but it just do, it does feel like David Culley would be a guy that if he's fired, he's going to be looking for an offensive coordinator role or an assistant head coach type of role. So, I mean, I, basically what I'm saying is uh, to go from being a head coach to a, a a positions coach would be a big downgrade in his book, but you never know. And, you know, you, you got to keep that as an option for David Cully or excuse me for Doug Peterson, who is going to want to build the best staff he can um, around this team that needs a lot of development. And David Cully would definitely be able to, you know, develop some young receivers uh, because again, the Jaguars are looking at a situation where they probably need to overhaul the whole thing. Um, aside from maybe bringing Chark back, Laquan Treadwell, I'm high on him, but, you know, he'll probably be your fourth or fifth guy. And then also Jamal Agnew, you probably bring him back because he had a, a very, very good season. And uh, he seemed to be clicking with uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, in terms of when he was able to, you know, see snaps in the slot. So um, in terms of Caldwell, he's a guy that probably would, you know, again, be in the office of coach and a quarterback's coach. Uh, put a lot into receiver development and could probably get in a guy that is uh that 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 has been around the block in terms of coaching receivers. Maybe a Jim Hostler was one that I saw uh that worked under him. It might have been with the Ravens, if I'm not mistaken, but he is a uh offensive assistant basically with the Washington football team. He's not like a positions coach or anything like that. So that's somebody you can bring in as a receivers coach, has a heavy receivers background. Also, uh, somebody that stuck with him during his run with the Lions, uh, Robert Prince, who, if I'm not mistaken, Robert Prince might have worked for the Jaguars at one point in time as a receivers coach. But anyway, he was with him with the Lions uh, pretty much, if I'm not mistaken, if not all of his tenure with the Lions, most of it. And uh, he was a guy that basically coached up Kenny Galladay. He's coached up uh, Jones as well, if I'm not mistaken. Marvin Jones, when I say that, who's currently on the team. And Jamal Agnew as well. So uh, Robert Prince is a guy who is with Houston right now as a wide receivers coach. And, again, you know, it's a possibility. I don't know if David Culley is going to get fired, as I said before, but it's a possibility that he is fired and his staff will basically be relieved of their duties and you know they'll they'll be free to go wherever they want so that's a name to watch uh, for Caldwell in terms of you know bringing in somebody who could develop the receivers and again Keenan McCardell as well could be out there if that whole Vikings staff is let go so uh, you know whoever it is hopefully they get the higher right because there's going to be a key uh, for this team heading forward as you know the the Jacksonville Jaguars receiving court it's kind of hit a low if you will um, I mean, I guess you could say, like, there were some bad stints of receiver play under Gene Smith as well. But, uh, you know, this might be worse or, you know, right along the lines of, you know, that time uh, with Gene Smith when I think it was uh, Mike Malarkey as the coach. And, um, you know, late in the Jack Del Rio era, they weren't getting the best receiver play then. So, anyway, moving on to the next thing that the head coach uh, needs to get right and, and really needs to develop better than the last coach, which was Urban Meyer. It's the offensive line, of course. And I've been an advocate uh, that the offensive line is about a number 20 unit. And I still believe that. But as of late, they have played terribly. All right. And I also haven't been and we've talked about him before on the podcast. I haven't been the biggest uh, guy on George Warhop, who is the offensive line coach. 
Uh, I think we talked about him and how he felt about Walker Little, which come to find out he he's actually right about Walker Little and the preparedness. And as Walker Little has uh, actually looked good in the two games that he had to start, and he actually had to start this past week against the New England Patriots. So there's that. And, uh, you know, maybe Walker Little is the left tackle of the future. And, uh, you know, maybe you can pair him with an Evan Neal, put him at right tackle, which that'll be – uh, you know, that'll be a high pick to take a right tackle. But, I mean, if it's all about protecting Trevor Lawrence um, and getting the best available offensive line for him, maybe uh, you don't mind that and mind taking a guy like Evan Neal there. But I digress from my point. Yeah, the next the next coach needs to get that guy that can develop a offensive line and make the unit better. And, you know, even for a person like me who said, you know, the group is around the number 20 unit, uh, T. Wig has made a good point on Twitter. Uh, why not make it even better, right? Why not make it a top 10 unit, especially when you have a young quarterback, which is a good point. And I believe that, uh, you know, the next coach is going to have to heavily focus on that part of the team. Um, and I think it's a foregone conclusion that they should move on from George Warhop, even though, again, you know, he, he seems to be right about Walker Little. And I think, you know, Doug Peterson or Jim Caldwell uh, could get that part right as well if they were hired as the head coach. And one guy that came to mind or one guy as I was doing my research and doing my coaching tree research that came to mind for both of them that has worked with both of these people, actually, Caldwell and Peterson, Juan Castillo, who is with the Chicago Bears right now. We all know that Matt Nagy's going to get fired, uh, but is his coaches or will his coaches be relieved from their contracts as well? We'll have to see. I don't know like what timeline everybody's contract is, uh, contract is on. So they may still be under contract uh, even if Matt Nagy is terminated from his contract, which I think expires in 2022, if I'm not mistaken, or after the 2022 season, should I say. Uh, but, you know, that's a time will tell thing. And, you know, maybe if they're still under contract, maybe you see a scenario where the Bears are like, well, if you find work before we name a new coach to make a decision on you guys, if you find work before then, go ahead, take the job. Um, we're not going to hold you hostage here. So that's just a, one of those things you kind of have to monitor throughout this month and what have you. But, yeah, Juan Castillo is a longtime NFL assistant. Um, he, I know a lot of people aren't all that impressed with the Chicago Bears offensive line, but they just, I think part of their issue is they just don't have the guy at left tackle. So I think if they had the guy there, they would be much, much better and they could protect fields or whoever the quarterback is much, much better. Uh, but I do think Juan Castillo might be a better developer in my opinion than George Warhop because with Warhop, aside from recently with Walker Little, we haven't really seen anybody on the offensive line necessarily get better, right? I mean, Brandon Linder was already pretty good when Warhop got here, if I can recall. And, you know, Andrew Norwell was already established as, uh, you know, uh, with the – I think it was the Carolina Panthers that he was with. He was a former All-Pro, if I'm not mistaken, already established before he came to Jacksonville. We haven't really seen – the development skills of Warhop put to the test or shown for that matter uh, when it comes to the young guys, the Jawan Taylors of the world. AJ can has just always been kind of the same guard, if you will. Uh, ben Barch really, I mean, it, it looked like it was a time where Ben Barch was getting a little better, uh, but then again, he got injured or I think it was, uh, he got put on the COVID reserve list. So that's kind of been halted. And, you know, Cam Robinson has always kind of been the same as well. Although you could make an argument, and I've said this in the past, that they probably should keep Cam Robinson. But I'm not sure if Cam Robinson will want to stay uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then also it's going to cost them a lot of money. And then what you've seen out of Walker Little, who is on a much cheaper contract, you might be better off just moving on with Walker Little and letting him grow with Trevor Lawrence. Because they're on the same timeline, we're, we're selected in the same draft. I let those two grow together and, you know, Trevor Lawrence could be your quarterback of the future and uh, Walker Little could be your left tackle of the future. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of, you know, Juan Castillo, I think, you know, that's why a change is needed there at that position, at that uh, offensive line coach position. Uh, maybe Juan Castillo could do a better job with developing young talent, uh, whoever you bring in, because it feels like the Jaguars do need to bring in some new talent 
at the offensive line position. They need to do that all, all around the team. Uh, but, yeah, you can make the argument, especially with how the team has played as of late. They're just kind of falling off a cliff. The offensive line has uh, that, you know, they probably need somebody who could uh, develop younger players and, uh, you know, get them, get them to where they need to be in terms of protecting Trevor Lawrence. And the last part, but not least, and I'm open to keeping Joe Cullen. Um, I've said that before in the past, but one thing that we've learned from the Urban Meyer era is that it probably wasn't the smartest thing for him, a first-year head coach, to bring on a first-year defensive coordinator. So I think one thing that would probably help these players on the defensive side is having a veteran um, defensive coordinator. Now, I'm, I'm open to having a first-year coordinator if they move on from Cullen and get somebody else. Uh, but I, I do think that, you know, if you have a seasoned veteran there, that it would probably help uh, the the defense and the defensive personnel a little better, um, in my honest opinion. So regardless of what they do, I think they, they'll be fine. But I think it would really help if they did get a veteran there. When you look at Caldwell and Peterson, again, sticking with them, um, don't want to go through the whole list of coaching candidates. You know, Caldwell could definitely do that. He can bring in a guy like Terrell Austin, who has been his longtime defensive coordinator or who was his longtime defensive coordinator with the, uh, I think it was the Lions. So he stuck with him throughout that whole tenure with the Lions, if I'm not mistaken. He's currently with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And also, you know, you would think that Austin would bring three, four elements to the team, which is I do want to stick with the three, four personally. I don't know how anybody else feels on that, but Austin uh, who is uh, assisted with the Steelers right now, not necessarily a coordinator, I don't think, uh, is a guy that you could probably poach over. And I think like he's probably high on Caldwell's list in terms of a defensive coordinator and what he wants to do on the defensive side of the ball. Now, with Peterson, that's the big question. What will Peterson do at defensive coordinator? You would think he probably isn't going to bring Jim Schwartz, who was his defensive coordinator, uh, with the Eagles because uh, Schwartz contract was set to expire or it expired while he was with the team and they didn't renew it. So I don't, I don't want to say that relationship was bad, but uh, if you don't renew the contract of your defensive coordinator, obviously you want it to go in a different direction. Uh, so I don't think they'll bring, he'll bring Jim Schwartz and I like Jim Schwartz and everything, but not a fan of the scheme and the schematics that he would bring. And again, it's more so because I want to stick to 34 concepts personally. Uh, but yeah, with Caldwell, uh, excuse me, with Peterson, that's a big question in terms of who he would bring. And then when I looked at his history, he did work with Mike Caldwell, the linebackers coach from the Bucks, but he'd be another first year defensive coordinator. So I think that Peterson might be on that boat where he looks for a guy, right. Uh, that's fired or that's on a hot seat that's fired um, from, you know, one of these other teams, like a Vic Fangio, who's the head coach of the uh, Denver Broncos right now. We actually played them. Uh, maybe you bring in a Vic Fangio, a veteran defensive coordinator, or somebody along those lines. Maybe you get somebody from, uh, you know, if the, again, going back to the Chicago Bears and Matt Nagy's camp, who Peterson is cool with, maybe you bring somebody from Matt Nagy's camp on a defensive side to, uh, be the defensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, like Sean Desai, who is doesn't necessarily have a lot of defensive coordinator experience. I think he's only been a coordinator for one year. But he's seemingly gotten that Bears defense to play good uh, in certain elements. Um, I think they're like fourth or fifth overall in defense, and they're like fourth against the pass. Uh, I don't think they're all that hot against the run, but – Again, that could be fixed with adding more personnel in terms of, you know, getting bigger bodies and what have you, more uh, better run stuffers. That could be fixed at free agency and in the draft. Uh, but, yeah, he's a young guy also, you know, not that much older than the players. I think 36, 37 years of age. Maybe you can bring him over. Again, don't know the contract situations over there with the Chicago Bears. However, uh, he is a guy that maybe you could bring over if you're Doug Peterson that does have a little bit of experience as a defensive coordinator. But if I'm, you know, the next head coach, that's probably what I'm looking for as an experienced defensive coordinator. I know that's easier said than done um, sometimes, but if you could do it, that's what I would do. Uh, but who am I as a podcaster for the Jacksonville Jaguars to listen to? So, yeah, that'll wrap up my thoughts on, you know, the things that the next head coach needs to do better and develop better 
than uh, Urban Meyer and the previous regime, starting with the quarterback room, uh, the receivers coach. He needs to get that one knocked out of the park in terms of the hire, uh, getting the right offensive line coach, and probably getting a defensive, a veteran defensive, should I say, coordinator. So with that being said, we'll move into my conversation with Glenn Irby of the Eagles Wire as both uh, the both of us had a conversation about Doug Peterson, his run uh, as a Eagles head coach. And also, we went deeper than that, his run uh, as an Eagles assistant and his run as a player for the Eagles as well. So I forgot to mention that nugget. Uh, but quality conversation we got coming up here. I hope you all enjoy it as uh, Doug Peterson is a guy that really, really seems to be gaining steam in terms of the Jacksonville Jaguars fan base. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Believe in Jags pod. We normally do behind enemy lines in this segment, but we decided to kind of uh, switch it up this time around. And um, I reached out to a fellow uh, editor on the Wire sites to uh, talk about this coaching search that's going to go about in the, the next few weeks or so. Hopefully the Jags will be wrapping it up next week, but you never know with Shad Khan. So uh, that being said, right. anyway, we decided to get a step on this whole thing. And uh, yeah, we're, as we would normally take time to kind of reach out and talk about the Colts with, the, you know, an opposing editor or whatever the case may be this time around. Uh, we're going to get a head start on this whole coaching search thing. So I reached out to uh, our man Glenn Irby over there with the Eagles Wire. He's going to talk a little bit about Doug Peterson, who was one of the candidates, probably a top three candidate in the eyes of most. But uh, I, I think Doug Peterson would be a very good fit with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But we're going to get some information here from Glenn and see if he feels the same and, you know, get any kind of insight he can share about Doug Peterson and his tenure uh, with the Eagles, which happened not too long ago. So, Glenn, man, uh, before I even step into the questions, man, welcome to the show. We appreciate you coming on. And how you doing, my man? Uh, pleasure having me, man. Uh, chilling on a Wednesday, you know, like I said, watching the Sixers, just kicking back. I got your message earlier. Was pleased to come on, how, whatever you need, whatever questions you need answered. But good candidate, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured, you know, I, I remember, I think it was uh, Turin, Devonport was uh, actually covering the Eagles at this time uh, because yeah, I, right. I can remember him. Uh, he, I think he went to the game and whatnot. And then, you know, uh, you came along and um, that being said though, I'm sure you still have plenty of knowledge of the Eagles and what have you. And uh, that's why right. I wanted to reach out to you because I, I feel like you, are you a long time Eagles fan? Have you been like around this team a good little minute? Well, for most of my life for the most part. So I could, I can tell you whatever you need to know in terms of, scheme how he approaches things and everything like that so for the most part yeah 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 i figured yeah i figured that you because i was just looking at your twitter account and just kind of looking at your background i was like i feel like this guy's been around philly for a little minute man so <laughs> that being said sure, welcome to sure. the show man and uh my first Appreciate question you me. yeah no problem man no problem at all but um yeah my first question is um you know if you would just talk about his Doug Peterson's entirety of his career in Philly. And when I say that, you know, I kind of mean uh, both as a head coach because he had a tenure as a head coach there, which was the most recent Correct. one. And also, though, people don't know this, but he was there under Andy Reid as the quarterback's coach. And now that I think about it, if I go further back, he was there as a quality controls coach, too. So he was there for, you know, two different stints um, as an assistant and as a head coach. But if you would just talk about the entirety of his career there, both under Andy Reid and kind of running the show himself. I mean, if you want to get, you know, technical, he has a history from the start of the Donovan McNabb era. So when Reid got the job, uh, they, they drafted McNabb in 99. Doug Peterson actually was the starting quarterback up until, I believe, the 10th or 11th game when McNabb took over. So he has that history. But I think from, from, from a coaching standpoint, you have a guy who ret retired, Went off to coach high school. Andy Reid brought him back for a year. From there, he stayed, got the job, and things trickled down from there. But I think you got you have a guy who was a high school coach, who was a player, played three sports in high school. So I think you know players understand him. Players know that he won, even if he was just a backup to Brett Favre, he won two Super Bowls. So he gets he gets that respect from players. He won a Super Bowl as a coach. He knows the quarterback play. So you get that 
respect from players. You get that one up in terms of the knowledge standpoint. So we learned under Andy Reid, learned how to, to call offense, learned how to, to, to coach the quarterback from different things like that. So from a candidate standpoint, you couldn't ask for a better interview, you know, this week for in, far, in terms of the Jaguars and how you guys are approaching things. You're right. You're right. Uh, going back to those days with Donovan McNabb. Uh, so he he really has been in this system, this Andy Reid system and this Andy Reid tree uh, dating back to, as you said, like as a, as a, basically as a player. So which that's huge because the whole, the whole element of being right. a player too is huge because we're seeing this, especially the Jacksonville Jaguars have learned this lesson the hard way, but we're seeing this league wide. You need players that can relate to, or coach, excuse me, that can relate to the players and that have been there and done that. Those are the guys who have an easier time uh, relating to players and having success. Not to say that, you know, some people that weren't in the game don't have success. You know, Sean McVay uh, wasn't necessarily an NFL player. There's some guys you could throw out there that weren't, but it definitely helps from the perspective of, and that's what I was saying about Byron Leftwich, who, you know, we'll, we'll say that for another podcast uh, with another guest, but that's what I was saying about Byron Leftwich is Byron Leftwich has seen it from the perspective, right. right. Of behind center as a starter. He's seen it from the sideline, holding the clipboard, right. As a a backup. And uh, he's seen it from a coach's perspective. And he's also heard the plays called through the headset through Bruce Arians as well as an assistant. And now he's calling right. the plays himself. So uh, that's huge. And that's especially huge when you got a, a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, uh, which I actually do want to get into that a little bit. Uh, just talk about his development of quarterbacks because he's huge on that. I just recently read an article yesterday on, um, I forgot the site. I think it was 32nddown.com uh, or thirddown.com or something like that. But right. basically, Doug Peterson wrote the article for him and he just, explain his whole theory of quarterback development and having a good quarterback room and so on and so forth. And that was something that he really did have uh, with, with the Eagles. It's not, it wasn't just one guy. He had a great room in general, but if you would speak on his quarterback developing skills, because that's going to be real important for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I think, you know, like we talked about previously, his ability to, he played the game in high school. He played the game at Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, won the championships in college as a quarterback. So even if he didn't star as a quarterback in the NFL, he still got to see success. He still spent 12 to 14 years behind Brett Favre, other guys. So you have, you have that. You have his ability to, to connect with the player. You, you take away what you saw in 2020 between him and Carson Wentz, but his ability to connect with guys, his ability to connect with – Nick Foles on, on different things like that. His ability to connect with guys because he's a Christian. We don't, I, mean, I understand we don't want to bring religion into it, but in terms of, you know, how men think and things like that. So, you know, I think his, his time spent under Reed, his time spent with Favre, his time understanding the quarterback position, uh, the gunslinger mentality, quote unquote, I think that could be used for Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely. And, and like you said, you know, you don't want to bring religion into it, but that's a good point because, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a man that, at least from what we've seen, he's big on faith, too. And a lot of times you can connect right. with people that have that same kind of faith and that ha- that Absolutely. background, that helps. So uh, that being said, yeah, I think like that that even makes him even more of a fit from that perspective as well. Um, and, we, you know, we've seen a lot of people, again, we don't want to get into religion, but like that's uh, that's a lot of what carries some of these players as well. Nick Foles was one. Me and you have both witnessed what Nick Foles played. And we've heard him in press right. conferences and, and this, that, and the other. So, you know, we know how he kind of operates as well. And now it's starting to make sense that, you know, that uh, Coach Peterson is a little bit similar in that sense as well. So my next question is actually on um, the 2017 se- season. I want to talk about that and that run okay. because I don't I don't think like a lot of people necessarily had the Eagles in their mind to win the Super Bowl that year. Uh, but Correct. the further we got into that year and then the further we got into the playoffs, it was like this team is uh, – they're clicking on all cylinders. And, like, they really just – basically, even though they lost Carson Wentz, Nick Foles picked the ball up and, you know, pretty much uh, – I know it, it might have been a little rough patch here and there, but for the most part, he got him through the regular season and then did his thing in the the pre uh, the postseason, excuse me. So, if you would, just could you talk about that year and the job that – uh, Doug Peterson did there and the kind of the attention to detail that uh, he brought to the roster construction there too aside from of course we talked about quarterbacks but 
you know, other than the quarterback position and, you know, just if you would talk about the momentum they carried into that situation and uh, just a lot of how the offense basically uh, propelled them and the defense was okay too, The um, that propelled them into right. that Super Bowl uh, birth and that Super Bowl victory. Well, I think you're coming off a 2016 season where Wentz starts as a rookie, he finishes strong, you come into the 2017 season, you enter it with low expectations. You you sign guys like the Garrett Blunt, other guys. You bring those guys on the roster. You got a uh, Chris Long on the roster. So at that point, you had championship quality on the roster. You had Fletcher Cox, other guys ascending, Alshon, things like that. So I think the 2017 year was more about they got off to a really hot start. You know, before you looked up there, 10 and 1, 11 and 1. Wentz gets hurt in LA, but at that point, they're already a playoff team. So he, you know, you have this, this situation of comfortability where Peterson was comfortable with what he had with Foles, probably more comfortable now that we see with Foles than he was with Went, but that's for a different conversation. But you have solid running backs. You have a Darren Sproles. Like I said, you had Alshon, you had Ertz, you you had multiple tight ends, probably the best line, offensive line in football at that point. So I think everything just clicked. I think at, at that point, they had nothing to lose playing the Patriots. You know, I, everything just fell in the line. You get the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. You get the situation with the, the Falcons, with the Julio Jones dropping the corner of the end zone. So I think it was just one of those seasons where everything fell into place. Yeah, you, you're right, um, because I can relate to it because that was one of the, well, really the only good season the Jaguars had in recent history, you know. It's right. funny we mentioned this because – uh, I, it was some podcast. I forgot the name of it, but uh, it was a podcast I was listening to earlier. Uh, people like 20 and the, you know, below pretty much haven't really gotten to see the franchise have that much success on this end. Uh, but yeah, I can remember what was special about 2017, like you said, and a lot of what plays into going to the Super Bowl and the playoffs too. People don't, don't know this part though, but there's a lot of luck that goes into it too. Office. Yeah. And, for sure. And I don't think like, you know, that's not to say that the Jaguars and the Eagles were lucky the whole way out and it didn't take skill with it as well. But yeah, as you said, with the Jaguars, I can remember, uh, you know, they just so coincidentally had to play a Steelers team that they had saw early in the year and they, they have their number. Oh, uh, even though right. they had to go to Heinz field and do so the Jacksonville Jaguars ain't, they've never been like terrified to play at Heinz field. That's never done anything for them. Like they've had a great deal of success there. So that was, that was helpful for, towards them. Um, they were lucky in a sense that they drew a team in the Buffalo bills in the first round that, you know, I don't want to knock Tyrod Taylor or what have you, but he was a guy that at that time and at that moment, you know, the offense wasn't clicking as, as good as, you know, we've seen it clicking with the Houston Texans at times with him. So, you know, they really only had to put up 10 points in that game to win or whatever the case may be. I forgot what it was. A very low-scoring game. They didn't have to do much. So the the chips kind of fell uh, in their way, if you will, even in the regular season. Andrew Luck, uh, he, he was out for the season, if I'm not mistaken, or he might have right. retired. Uh, and that was also the year that, if I'm not mistaken, Deshaun Watson tore his ACL that year. So they didn't Correct. have two of the best, you know, the two best quarterbacks in our division were gone, essentially. And the the path to going to the, you know, the championship or whatever have you, the AFC championship was pretty easy for them through the AFC South. And, uh, you know, that, that, that pretty much sums up how we went to, you know, the AFC championship that year, which, uh, you know, looking at it in hindsight, a lot of things fell their way. And that team might have been a little bit overrated, except for that defense. But the offense, for sure. I um, mean, now, you know, we, we come to find out that may have very well been, you know, have been the case or whatever. Right. Same, same with the Eagles, not to cut you off, but you, you get yeah, the situation ahead. where they get out. They get out to the, the 10 or 11 wins. You you get ahead in the division. You get home field advantage. At that point, anything can bounce your way, and that's kind of what happened. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the playoffs for you. You don't have to be better than that team. And, you know, in terms of your regular season or whatever the case may be, or roster wise, you don't have to be better than the team next to you. You just have to be better than them for that one night in the playoffs. Correct. And if you are, you know, you'll you'll go ahead and, you know, succeed and move on to the next round. The Jags weren't necessarily better than that Steelers roster. I'll admit it. You know, they had a great defense, but they weren't necessarily better than that Steelers roster. Uh, they were probably better than that Bills roster, but they they weren't, you know, they weren't 
the type of team that should have stuck with the Patriots like they did in the AFC Championship. You know, I think that should have been a little bit further distance than it was. But with speaking of Nick Foles and and, and how he ends up in Jacksonville a few mm-hmm. years later, would have been interesting to see with that defense and the Nick Foles from 2017. If you place him on the Jags, who knows? Or a quarterback like Nick Foles, y'all, you guys were probably the Jags were probably a quarterback away that year. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, Tom Coughlin's we, and we talked about this Tom Coughlin's inability to relate to players broke up the team last uh, that year, the the year that followed 2018. That didn't help. You know, you had the Jalen Ramsey situation. If I can recall, right. it was the situation with Telvin Smith, if I can recall as well. And Telvin Smith had some off the field stuff. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, that um, also occurred. So that kind of played into it, too. Uh, the Yannick and Gakwe situation. That didn't help. And see, that's why right. you need a Doug Peterson in the building that can relate right. to those guys and, you know, keep those guys within the franchise because they lost a lot of good, you know, quality players, uh, you know, the year For after sure. and then and also in 2019. So, um, Correct. on and on. My, my third question is on uh, – so there's a lot of skepticism, right? Like when you speak to the Jaguars fan base and you look on Twitter – it's some skepticism from some. Again, I think for the most part, people want Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, but there's some skepticism from some in terms of Doug Peterson's last year. There's this whole rumor or stigma, whatever the case may be, people feel like he didn't put forth his best foot, uh, put forth the best effort that year, whatever the case may be. I tend to think it wasn't that, but if you would, just speak on his last year uh, with the Eagles and how that went. And do you feel like he kind of like tanked on the team or whatever the case may be? Uh, again, I feel like that's just absurd because they're coaches and they get paid and, and this, that, and the other. But, you know, that's, that stigma is out there. I kind of want to hear your take on that. No, I think the, the 2020 season was an anomaly. It was an outlier. It's, it, it's something that normally wouldn't happen, and it, and it shouldn't be a stain on his reputation. If you, you take in the injuries – you take in um, everything that went on with Wentz. You take on. You take in Howie Roseman. Okay, you, hindsight is what it was. Okay, it's good to have a good backup quarterback. It's good to draft for Jalen Hurts. But if you simply draft DK Metcalf, or you draft Terry McLaurin, or you draft Debo Samuel instead of drafting JJ Arcega Whiteside, and then instead of drafting Hurts, you draft someone else, and instead of drafting Jalen Rager, you draft. Justin Jefferson, we're probably having a different conversation. So I think it was a situation where the 2020 team was just riddled with injury after playing, after it got really bad for Wentz, it became a head, it became a mental situation for him. I think Peterson did his best to support his quarterback. He did his best to keep the team together. That's probably the only reason why they got the four wins. And I think the situation in the final game, that's more about the general manager, the owner, and Howie Roseman and draft picks so if you don't lose that final game you don't have the sixth pick which you turn into the 12th which you turn into the 10th and you then you don't have Devonte smith so tanking the season finale that's more about the gm and the head ups in terms of that last season it's just an anomaly he's a good coach i think carson to tell you and i think he said he had no problem none of none of his problem or none of his issues with this coach it was more ownership and trust issues and things like that and i think it was just a situation where Peterson's a man's man. He's a player's coach. He wants to pick his coaching staff. And you have a situation here where the GM is going to help you pick your coaches. It's going to help you pick personnel. And both parties kind of got tired of it. So they parted ways more than a necessarily, necessarily Peterson being fired. But I think 2020 was just a, a bad bump in the road. At least a reset was needed anyway. But it's in no way an indication of how he relates to players or how he coaches. Yeah, speaking of which, you know, that was one of my questions, too. You kind of hit on it, and, you know, that's a sign of a good guess is when they kind of cover one of your questions um, uh, beforehand. But that being said, you spoke on the staff. I want to speak on that, too, as well. I didn't know that about the whole Howie Roseman situation where he helped with the staff situation. And that was one of my knocks on Doug Peterson, too, was when I looked at his staff in 2020, because I dug into this guy's tree, like, deeply, and I compare it to other, you know, staffs that he had. I was like, okay, like it, it was a drop off there that year and what have right. you. Now, if you would now, could you speak on, do you, you think he could build, because it does sound like you do feel this way. He could build a good staff around uh, Trevor Lawrence. And not only that though, but also the team in its entirety, because 
The Jaguars just don't need somebody who can develop Trevor Lawrence either. They need people that can right. develop receivers as well. They need somebody who can develop uh, that defense as well because they aren't playing to their potential at times. It was a little stint last month where they looked okay. They looked like they were getting on the right path, but then, you know, they got off track as well. So it, it does seem like this team needs a, a staff that's going to be detailed with development and all of that good stuff. Um, so that said, if you would, yeah, yeah, talk about like his team building ability from a staff perspective. Um, I think you, people get caught up into the, the staff hires and the personnel and they have to understand, okay, well, when he got the job in 2016, he had only been an assistant with Andy Reid for a couple of years. So, you know, all these coaches have their coaching tree. He really didn't have one. He really didn't have a ton of relationship with coaches. So at that point, he fell back on the relationships that he's familiar with. So, you know, you had the Deuce Daly's, you had the, the, the Press Taylors, you had, you know, you had the different coaching hires and things like that. And so I think this second time around, I think he's built more of a rapport on the relationship with coaches around the league. I think he'll do a solid job of building the staff and getting the, the, the necessary components around Trevor Lawrence and other guys. I think in terms of the quarterback, he could hire a quarterback coach, but you have that in him. So he's, he, he definitely needs a solid offensive play caller because that could be a situation where, or that could be the one thing where you talk about he struggled with. But in terms of building relationships, getting good coaches, he's a loyal coach. Coaches run through the wall for him. So I think it's just about, you know, he had a year off to refresh. I think it's just about him getting a good staff, getting a good defensive coordinator, and he'll be fine from there. Yeah, I agree. The whole thing about especially being off for the, the full year, you know, having time to evaluate. And Ian Rappaport has said this, um, who, who you know, who he's been on our show once or twice. But he said this on okay. uh, NFL Network that, you know, he feels like Doug Peterson or no, he was basically saying it might have been him or somebody else. But Doug Peterson pretty much, you know, it sounds like he already has his his uh his situation in terms of a coaching staff already figure out and sort it out and that's what get having a year off gives you and like you said like he's developed a stronger coaching tree now that's not to say even though he to me he had strong ties you know when he got the job as well uh because when I was digging into his tree and you mentioned some of these guys that you know worked for him during his tenure with the Eagles uh like the Deuce Staley's and the Press Taylors I could definitely see Press Taylor um, joining him if he were to come to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, but, yeah, it's others that I came across, too, that he's intertwined with in some way, shape, or form, not necessarily uh, during his time with the Eagles, but also with the Chiefs. Uh, you know, people like, if I'm not mistaken, David Culley, or David Culley might have been there with the Eagles with them. David Culley's one that comes right. to mind. And uh, David Culley's a guy that we feel like probably is on the hot seat uh, but would be a fine coordinator, you know, might not be the best guy in terms of a head coach, but a fine coordinator. And a lot of people like him. And like you said, he sounds like a guy, Cully, from what we gather at the Jaguars wire and, you know, from the guests we've had. It feels like the team will run through the wall for him, him and people like Mike Kafka, who he didn't necessarily he wasn't necessarily on Doug Peterson's staff, but Mike Kafka played for Doug Peterson when he was a quarterback's coach. Right. If I'm not mistaken. I'm so, going to mention him too. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a guy like a lot of people view him is not at that point yet, but a lot of people view him in the same light as uh, like Kellen Moore, you know, like that next guy, that young guy that could be a head coach one of these days. So you can't rule him out. Another one I came across, Matt Nagy. We all know he's getting fired pretty much. It's a foregone conclusion at this point that he's getting fired. But a guy that you probably would love to be around Trevor Lawrence as a quarterback's coach or more so, it feels like Nagy would be an offensive coordinator, if anything, if not a head coach. Uh, but still, a guy that you want around Trevor Lawrence that has head coaching experience. And, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of what you said makes sense from that perspective. And I, I do think, you know, I'm not worried about the staff he could put around people, but – that was a question I did want to cover in terms of just hearing it from a perspective of somebody who's covered him. I think he's going to build a, if if he gets the job, he would build a fine stuff around Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I think you, it seems like you seem, you feel the same way. The only question could be who he hires as defensive coordinator, but in terms of an offensive staff and offensive game plan and how he wants to approach things, I think he's had that figured out for months now. So like you, you just said, Nagy's a potential might grow, you know, different names like that. But in terms of just wrong, a solid, you know, fun, foundational 
you know, West Coast offense with, with some RPO schemes and, and different things, you know, with this innovative new way of playing football, he'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, like, what might be best for him, and this is not to say he has relationships with these people, um, but, yeah, I, as much as I like Jim Schwartz, I do not want Jim Schwartz as a defensive right. coordinator. Um, but, one, you know, some of these guys that come to mind – or, you know, again, going back to the people that could get fired, you know, like a Vic Fangio, not that he has a relationship with him, uh, but still like somebody who's a former head coach that, you know, probably will knock a interview out of the park, you know, when you're doing these right. type of things. So maybe that's where you go in that direction. And for the Jaguars, it's probably best that they do stick with a 34 alignment too, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I think like, like you said, that defensive hire is going to be key. Uh, but I don't think that's going to really hurt him in this case because um, I don't think, like, Shad Khan is, like, that knowledgeable of football and the the whole aspect of building a staff. So I don't think that's really going to hurt him. The The big thing with Shad Khan is probably going to be how can you help Trevor Lawrence, and he's going to knock that part out of the park. So uh, that being said, that'll be interesting. Now I'll, I'll do some digging and, you know, some uh, searching on that end as to who he can have on his staff as a defensive guy. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to move into my next question. I don't want to hold you up too long. Um, my next one is, cool. yeah, the media relations and the public relations. So how was this guy in terms of press conferences? Because uh, I, I know a lot of my fellow people in the Jags, uh media and the Jacksonville media want to know how was he with that. And also, how did the fans feel about Doug Peterson as well? Is this a guy that the Jacksonville uh, fan base, the Duval faithful uh, will rally around and uh, did they do so in Philly as well? Yeah, I mean, every day I think the biggest question mark for him from a fan perspective would would probably be his play calling and in terms of how he handled Wentz and the passing and the not running the ball necessarily. And like I said, I think that's more about the GM and the vision that the owner and the GM have for an offense. So I think in a, a situation there, you'll have a situation where he'll let Trevor Lawrence throw the ball, but he'll also feed James Robinson the ball to, to protect Trevor Lawrence from himself. I think that was the one thing he didn't do enough with Wentz, with Wentz was protecting from himself and allowed Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard in the running game to keep the Eagles in games when the quarterback wasn't necessarily making the reads or doing the things he was supposed to do. So I think you'll have people question, uh, well, how much power or leeway will he give Trevor Lawrence? Because I know here he allowed Wentz to change a lot of the calls at the line. So will he do that with Trevor Lawrence as well? You know, a lot of running calls got changed to passes when you were talking about his relationship with Wentz. So I think from that standpoint, he'll be fine. I believe he was fine here with the in terms of dealing with the media you know, he was never smart. I don't think you'll have a situation you had with the, the coach that was just fired. So from a media standpoint, I think he'll be beloved. I think from his fan standpoint, he'll be, be beloved. I think it'll just be about his play calling, who he hires as a play caller, and how that relates to Trevor Lawrence and what he does at the line of scrimmage and his run-pass ratio. That'll probably be the only thing you'll discuss on morning talk shows and things like that. Well, well, what was Doug's run pass ratio and why is he letting Trevor do so many things at the line of scrimmage? But in terms of knowing football, knowing the West Coast style of play, knowing how to run the ball, knowing how to run the ball to set up the pass, he'll be perfectly fine. Yeah, that's important. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's important because that's an issue that the, the current regime has is the run pass ratio. And also right. the, the reluctance to run Trevor Lawrence, but uh, that that was kind of more so a thing when Urban Meyer was here. We've kind of seen a little bit more of it now that Daryl Bevel is the coordinator or the interim head coach. Uh, but still, you know, that's something that people are going to be really, really high on. And like you said, I think just that whole year to be off and look and evaluate yourself, that self-evaluation stage, and that also that ability, you know, coming into the situation knowing you have James Robinson and not just James Robinson, but Travis Etienne too. Now, both will be coming off of severe injuries. Travis Etienne practically broke his foot and James Robinson tore his Achilles. But also you can factor in the fact that the Jaguars can also bring in, uh, you know, somebody through free agency or the draft. They have a, a ample amount of draft picks and they also have, you know, they should lead the league in cap space at the rate they're going. Uh, but, you know, you time will tell on that. But, they're, they'll definitely be able to find an answer at running back if they feel like those guys aren't going to be back or back to 100%. And I think if, you know, if Doug can just realize what abilities those guys that I've named have and also 
uh, you know, the ability of any running back that they can get in the draft or free agency uh, has, and he can, you know, minimize Trevor Lawrence's, uh, like you said, uh, help Trevor Lawrence not to get himself in trouble. I think he'll be a perfect fit from that standpoint. And again, with right. a year off, he definitely probably has been thinking about that. And he definitely has been looking around the league. Prime example, his buddy over there in, in Indianapolis, Frank Wright. I know he's watched a whole lot of Frank Wright and what they're doing with Jonathan Taylor. And I know that's registering in his mind because if I can recall, he's been to their training camp or something too. So right. that's registering in his mind. And I think we could see a new and improved Doug Peterson um, in the, from a perspective of the play calling and, and what have you. So, yeah, man, um, Glenn, that was pretty much all of the questions I had, man. You did a great job of answering every last one of those, man. I appreciate you coming on. Um, as always, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, no problem. As always, man, we want to give you some time here to plug all of your handles and all your information, your social media, where people can find you, your work, um, and any anything you got um, coming down the pipeline. Because I know you guys made it to the playoffs, so you're gonna get to cover this team, uh, this team in the postseason. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, that was one of the things I was uh, sitting here pondering, just hoping for postseason play. I don't think anyone wants to you know, spend the next few months, a few weeks working on draft projects and things like that if they don't have to. But, I mean, you can find me on Twitter at the Cover 2 NFL. Um, similar to what you're doing, probably about to start podcasting and things like that. So you'll probably be getting calls and advice, you know, over the next few weeks. But um, just covering the Eagles, covering football, different things like that. So just trying to expand my horizons in 2022. That's why I appreciate the, the opportunity to come on, and it was a great experience. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all, man. And then whenever you get that podcast rolling, let us know. I will definitely be checking that out, man, because the Eagles are one of the more interesting teams, in my opinion, in the league. So, I mean, I, I kind of dabble in listening to the Wire Sites uh, podcast, the little network they got going on. So I, I do okay. dabble into listening into that. Um, so, yeah, let me know, man. And then, you know, we'll be sure to plug all of that for you, retweeting and all of that, man. And we appreciate you coming on. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was what would have been behind enemy lines, but more so, uh, you know, a, a coaching preview with Glenn Irby of the Eagles Wire. And I am signing out. Appreciate you, my brother. Appreciate you. All right, so that was our conversation with Glenn Irby of the Eagles Wire. Hope y'all enjoyed that quality, quality insight that he gave us there on Doug Peterson and his tenure with the Eagles and his tenure as an assistant with the Eagles and just his connection all around with Andy Reid, uh, the community there in Philadelphia and what have you. So that being said, I mean, like not much else to cover from uh, the perspective of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have the game against the Colts coming up where they are heavy underdogs. Uh, so, you know, they could ruin the Colts, uh, you know, playoff aspirations. And then again, maybe they won't. We don't know. Uh, well, you never know with the Jazz and Colts. But, I mean, with the way the team is played, I wouldn't expect or I wouldn't get our hopes up. But it would be fun nonetheless. Um, so, that being said, I mean, we'll wrap this one up. As you all know, you can find me on Twitter at SportsGround underscore Done. You can find Phil at Phil the Filipino on Twitter, who uh, is hoping to be back. Um, and he told me that he would be back next week. And we'll talk about the season finale, how that went and so on and so forth. And maybe continue on into some uh, getting a guest on to help us uh, in terms of getting insight on this coaching search. So uh, you can follow also the podcast at Believe in Jags Pod. You can also follow the Jaguars Wire at jaguarswire.usatoday.com. And also, you can follow the Jaguars Wire Twitter handle at the Jaguars Wire. Also, feel free to rate, comment, subscribe, and what have you in terms of this podcast, the Believe in Jags podcast. Uh, whether you use Apple Podcasts or iTunes, uh, feel free to go there and rate and comment and subscribe. Feel free to also check us out on Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Luminary. You name it, we're there. And if we're not there, let us know and we'll get there. Uh, so that being said, also Google Music, also for the Android users. So we didn't uh, not include you guys as well. So that being said, this is episode 102 of the Believe in Jazz podcast. I am James Johnson, 
And as always, don't forget to believe in the Jacksonville Jaguars, but most importantly, believe in yourselves. Everybody have a good day. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.